Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Doesn't it feel great to be on the winning team? To put in the work all season and finally bring that trophy home? Or maybe you aren't much of a sports person, and that's fine. But most of us know what it is like to work hard for something, whether it is on a team or a presentation, or keeping our lives organized enough so that every once in a while, even if just for a minute, we can take a break, knowing that everything that is on our to-do list is done. For a while, you are feeling good about what is happening in your life, where your team is headed, that promotion that just seems to have your name on it. We have worked hard. We have most likely tried and failed and learned and grown and done all of the right things to put us back on track, to make us better, stronger, faster, more capable, more skilled. We realize that the things we struggled with and that gave us a headache become clearer. We move from dark to light and our worlds begin to brighten and we feel better about the decisions we've made or the steps we've taken to get where we are and that things feel as though they will just keep looking up. And we may even ask, how can I stumble or fall when I am doing so well. But then something happens. Our team stops doing so well. Work doesn't go the way we want it to. Our grades begin to slip. There is something that may shake us to our core or cause us to pause and wonder if we are actually doing as well as we thought we were. And if you have ever found yourself in that situation and wondering how things could have gone from good to bad so quickly, then this morning's psalm is for you. Psalm 27 invites us into the dichotomy of our faith and our lives as we read how David goes from highs to lows to hopes for the future, all in 14 verses. Hear now as I read to you Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Should I fear anyone? The Lord is a fortress protecting my life. Should I be frightened of anything? When evildoers come at me trying to eat me up, it's they, my foes and my enemies, who stumble and fall. If an army camps against me, my heart won't be afraid. If war comes up against me, I will continue to trust in this. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It's all I seek to live in the Lord's house all the days of my life, seeing the Lord's beauty and constantly adoring his temple. Because he will shelter me in his own dwelling during troubling times. He will hide me in a secret place in his own tent. He will set me up high, safe on a rock. Now my head is higher than the enemies surrounding me. And I will offer sacrifices in God's tent, sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and praise the Lord. Lord, 
listen to my voice. When I cry out, have mercy on me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek God's face. Lord, I do seek your face. Please don't hide it from me. Don't push your servant aside angrily. You have been my help. God who saves me, don't neglect me. Don't leave me all alone. Even if my father and mother left me all alone, the Lord would take me in. Lord, teach me your way because of my opponents. Lead me on a good path. Don't give me over to the desires of my enemies because false witnesses and violent accusers have taken their stand against me. But I have sure faith that I will experience the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Hope in the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage and hope in the Lord. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Loving God, you hold all of who we are together calling us your beloved no matter what. May we remember all that we mean to you and all the ways in which you are with us, guiding us in every aspect of our lives. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The first six verses of our psalm today seem like quintessential Christian to me. They show us everything you could want out of your faith, what you should say, how you should talk to God, the end result of a life well lived, loving, serving, and doing all you can to be close to God. It's no doubt when David wrote this, he was feeling good about where he and God were in their relationship. There was no need to define what this relationship looked like because he knew. I mean, right off the bat, we are met with all of the hope that David has in the Lord. We are told that all he asks is that he might live in the house of the Lord all the days of his life with nothing to do but to sit and behold the beauty of God. This is ideal. This paints for us a picture of the perfect life spent with God. Questions are answered. Enemies are not feared. God is present. There is no doubt about it. It is that pocket of light where the world seems right, everyone we know is fine, and we feel truly happy. This section feels like your Facebook feed on January 1st. These are our New Year's resolutions for our life of faith. This is control, contentment, light. It is an act of faith of seeking God and trusting that God is with us no matter what. These verses are what we think our faith ought to be. But one of the many reasons the Psalms are my favorite is because they allow us the permission to feel all the feelings that others may not want us to. They remind us that we do not have to be perfect or happy or bright all the time because life isn't that way either. 
And even though the first six verses of this psalm started out strong, filled with hope and faith and an assurance of who God is and what God does and how God is present with us, verses 7 through 12 tell us a very different story of where David might be with God. Because in verse 7, we no longer see a confident David, but rather hear a fearful one as we read, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Following this verse, we are met with a David who is pleading to God to not turn away, to not be cast off. This is the place where things begin to fall apart, where the perfect life we thought we once had no longer seems within our grasp and we cannot figure out how we got where we are. Things were good, weren't they? Everyone was healthy. Our parents were whole. Our children were cared for. Our job was going like we thought it would. But then something happened. We were met with a loss we couldn't conceive of. We no longer knew where we belonged or what we could offer or even who we were if we no longer felt seen or valued. Where David started out strong seeking the Lord, he is now waiting on God, waiting to see if God has forsaken him. His active faith somehow seems passive and with that comes a loss of control. Uncertainty fills his senses and he is doubtful of all he once knew. And isn't that where Lent can so easily lead us? Down an individual lament of what we may need to let go of or thought we knew. These verses are those first few weeks after the new year when our New Year's resolutions have fallen apart due to a crisis or the reality of living in a world that isn't always fair. David is confronting that least favorite of our fears, the many uncertainties over which he has no control. My least favorite thing is not knowing the answer. Sure, I will say that I want to be surprised but if I know a surprise is coming, then I want to know the general idea of what will happen, where it will be, who might be present. And I love a good plan. And when I do not have one, I experience a sense of unease because not having a plan means that I am not in control, which can be terrifying. And there is nothing worse than not knowing what will happen, which yes, thank you, I know is basically what life is. And for the most part, it is usually fine. But if you are anything like me, then you know that there are times when David's cries to God of don't leave me all alone are the prayers that you seem to pray more than any others. Because this is not how we think our life, especially our Christian life, ought to go. In an ideal world, these two sections of the psalm would be reversed. It is so much easier to go from doubt to trust, from dark to light, than the other way around. 
It would make so much more sense if we were met at the beginning with a David who is lost and wondering, and then partway through has this moment where his eyes are open, light floods his senses, and the presence of God is with him in ways he had never known before. I mean, isn't that how our life of faith ought to work? How our lives ought to be? We go through the hard stuff, but once we get over that last big mountain, all of a sudden things are falling into place. We have done what we were supposed to do. We prayed to God. We saved money. We took the right medications. We had our annual checkups. We did everything we were told to do, so we should be fine, good, better than ever, right? For Lent, I am reading Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie's book, Good Enough. And the other day, as they talked about confronting loss and having to rethink how we thought our life might go, they said, loss requires us to reimagine hope. Loss requires us to reimagine hope. Isn't that the truth? It is so easy to talk about hope about the presence of God and our trust in all that is happening when things in our life are going well. But in the face of loss, in the face of the unknown, as we look at a world that has been ravaged by a pandemic only to be met with another war, with more people fleeing a place they once called home, but to where they may never return, what does our faith look like then. How much more difficult is it for us to feel God's presence when everything around us makes us think that we are all alone, that God has forsaken us? How do we deal with that? How can we reimagine hope in the face of such pain? Luckily, David knew how hard this time of doubt and worry and fear might be because the last two verses of our psalm say, I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I like how this ends because David's prayer isn't answered. There is no response in these verses that lead us to believe everything is okay. There is nothing that tells us that his cries for help have subsided. Instead, we are shown that real fear lives alongside honest faith. Everything that happens in this psalm is needed to take God seriously, to depend on God. I mean, what a gift it is to worship a God that we can praise in one moment and in the next doubt whether or not God is even with us, knowing that these doubts will bring us to a fuller understanding of who God is and what a life of faith might mean for us, even if that life isn't one that we originally imagined it would be. Now, don't get me wrong. One of my least favorite parts of this psalm is the call for patience at the end. When asked to describe me, I do not think anyone would ever use the word patient, and that's okay. 
Everyone has a growing edge, so at least I know what mine is. But this, this here is a deeper kind of patience. As we are not waiting on the next season of our favorite show to come out or a meal to be delivered to our table, but on God, on the one who gave us life. And David shows us how asking real questions to God, doubting God, is not going to result in us no longer having a relationship with God. Because in a life of faith, you are going to have both hope and doubt, certainty and questions. And unfortunately, it's not always going to go the way we think it should. We all want to be in that sweet spot of those first six verses because seeking God gives us something to do and hope for. It makes us feel like we are playing an important role in the life of our faith and nothing can stop us. But verses seven through 12, those moments of waiting to hear from God are unpredictable. There is nothing we can do but wait and hope that things will get better. And even after going from high to low, we end with seeing David waiting, still waiting on faith, trusting that in spite of what he has experienced, he will still see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that is my prayer for all of us, that regardless of what we face, of where this life may take us in the highs and in the lows, we will still seek still wait for the goodness of God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings.